Love this podcast? Support this show through the Acast supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give, and there's no regular commitment. Just click the link in the show description to support now. Welcome to Save Your Sanity Podcast. I'm Dr. Roberta Shaler. Are you living with the chaos, confusion, and uncertainty that a toxic person loves to create? Is a partner, parent, ex, sibling, child, or coworker causing you to second-guess yourself? That can be crazy-making. I'm here to help you save your sanity. So let's get down to it and figure some things out now. Stay tuned. Hello, and welcome to Save Your Sanity. I'm Dr. Roberta Shaler. I'm so glad you're here. If you've been with me before, I'm glad you returned. And if you've just found me, I'm glad that you did. Tonight we're going to be talking about something so important, and that is the eight damaging roles that narcissistic parents assign to their children, and how those roles affect your self-esteem and your adult relationships. So it's important to recognize if you had a narcissistic parent, a hijackal parent, and they behaved in certain ways, one of the things that they will have done is cause you to behave in certain ways too, which is not unexpected. It happens in every family, not just narcissistic families. But narcissistic parents or people with narcissistic traits who are parents or have other issues in their lives will use these roles to clarify between the children to set up conflict, to make difficulties. And you know, uh, the the episode that I did on pseudo-mutuality, that's an important one for you to have a look at because in pseudo-mutuality, the family is endeavoring to put a really great face on everything and make it look great to the public. You know, as I say, they paint a public picture of perfection in order to cover up what they're creating which is a private place of pain. So they put on the show of we've got it all together, we're tight, we're wonderful, we're adoring, we love each other, and everything is perfect, and then you know very well that's not the case. That's not actually the dynamic within the family, and you'll only know that if you're within the family. So I wanted to bring these eight damaging ways to you, because if you were raised in a family like this, you may have one or two of the roles assigned. Maybe like me, you're an only child. At different times, I had all these roles. And so it's important for us to see that for what it is. And if you found value in the podcast, I invite you to support it. Go to SaveYourSanityPodcast.com to listen to more episodes. That's one way to support it. The other way is to support us financially. Go to Patreon.com slash SaveYourSanity. That's a really cool way to show your support and the value you receive. You can make a pledge of 5 or $10 a month, $1 or $2 a month, whatever you, you wish, and or a one-time donation just to say thank you and help defray the cost of keeping this on the air. So I appreciate your doing that. So this thing about pseudo-mutuality, it's, as I said in episode 201, when it happens when a couple or family act close and happy 
while actually being distant and miserable. So they put the shiny face on it. And if you haven't heard that episode, I invite you to go back and really have a thought about that and listen. It's episode 201. So all of these pieces are there. And in order to take this apart, I just want to help you understand What might have happened to you? Because you had nothing to do with this. These were roles assigned by the person in charge. And the thing is, they're assigned by the ruler in the family, right? The ruler in the family. So, you know, although you have two parents, perhaps the ruler in the family is the one who assigns the labels and the blame and the non-dominant parent is just gets buy-in to the roles that have been assigned. Um, the non-dominant parent takes the path of least resistance or just goes along with it as self-defense or goes along with it for self-preservation or they just take the role that was assigned to them too. So these are important things for us to look at. So I'm going to spend some time on each one of these eight damaging roles. And remember, I did say earlier that you may have more than one role to play and you may shift at different times. For example, the eldest child has a role, but the eldest child leaves the home. There may be a shift in roles, so it could be a little bit confusing. So just want to do the best I can to clarify this for you so you can clearly reflect on, hmm, If I was assigned that role and I thought that was the way to keep the giants happy, you know, those parents that we're born to that we want to keep them happy so they will keep feeding us. Um, If I was assigned to these roles and I knew I was supposed to show up that way, in what way did that limit me? Did that limit me in my ability to expand into the world, to expand into what's possible for myself, to expand into a healthy, happy relationship with good potential for those three important things from episode 115, equality, reciprocity, and mutuality. So let's look at these eight roles so that we can clearly understand what they are. Now, the first one is the golden child. You know, that child in the family that can do no wrong. No matter what they do, the narcissistic parent, the hijackal parent defends them, laughs at them, finds it cute, finds it funny, makes allowances for the golden child. So that golden child grows up with this horrible understanding that they are perfection personified and that they can do no wrong. So guess what? They're the ones most likely to take on the hijackal functioning and become one themselves because they're entitled. They're never corrected. They're always in the right. They're always looked to as the one who can do no wrong. So if you were raised as a golden child, you're probably not listening to this podcast because you will not think that you had any reason to improve, anything to understand, anything to get to the bottom of and find out how that might be affecting current relationships in your life. So the golden child has all of this latitude. They get to do so much and pretty much whatever they want, and then they get the support of the parents. 
the narcissistic or hijackal parent and the enabler, which is usually the spouse, who is going along with it and buying into the roles that are assigned. So I talked about this a little last week in the episode on the fear that all or nothing thinking creates and perpetuates, because if you think you can do no wrong, you're not going to be afraid to trample on people. You are not going to be afraid to expect to have people do things for you. Expect to be validated when you breathe. Expect to be validated when you don't feel like engaging with them. You just expect to be validated. Expect to be accepted. And crucially, expect to be praised for whatever it is that you're doing. So the golden child is sort of the big ticket item to see, to say, if there's a golden child in your family, do you know which one it was? And what did they get away with? And are they happy and healthy today? Because it's highly unlikely that they are. What's even more highly unlikely is that the people around them, their spouse and their children, are not happy. And that's really a, an occurrence. You know, as an only child, I was the golden child when I was on stage performing. I was just fortunate enough to be musically talented. So I was the golden child when I was, look, that's our daughter. Look at all that. But because I was the only one there, sometimes I was all of these other things too. But if you have more than one child in the family, the roles may stay somewhat assigned. So it's important to recognize that. So the golden child is one. Now, the opposite of that is the scapegoat. And we know what a scapegoat is in society, but I want to read you a very clear distinction from Webster's Dictionary because it's similar to one of the other things uh, roles that can be assigned, and I want to determine the difference between the two. So Webster's Dictionary says a scapegoat is a person made to bear the blame for others or to suffer in their place. So this is the person who can never do anything right. Try as they may, they cannot do anything right. They can do their very best. They can do exactly as they thought they were expected to, exactly as they thought would please the parents, but it doesn't. Basically, because their drying breath and taking up space on earth is something that is not valued, except for the fact that they can lay all the blame on this person. And they, they bear the blame for themselves. They bear the blame for others. They suffer when others, like the golden child, are let off the hook. They'll put the blame on the scapegoat. So that is a very sad and diminishing place to be in the family because it's nothing that you did. And yet as a child with brain functioning that is still in the developmental stage, the feeling that you get is that you're not welcome, you cannot do anything right, everything is your fault, you will be wrong just for the look on your face or the color of your hair. That scapegoat is pushed to the side and pushed down and just blamed, that's straight out blamed. So if you're used to being blamed as a child, 
it wouldn't be a stretch to say that if you met a hijackal in your adult life, that any blame that they give you, much as you might not like it, would feel familiar. And in that feeling familiar, it might take precedent, that feeling might take precedent over the logical thing of this person's blaming me all the time. But because that feeling of being blamed is so deeply ingrained and familiar that you might accept it. And you might be still accepting it. And that's why it's really important if you hear something in this podcast that really strikes a chord for you, oh, that's what happened to me. And this is what it produced. I'm happy to help you. I, I want you to feel free to go to beaclient.com and use my new client offer there so that we can talk. Beaclient.com. Really simple to remember. But if you have recognized some things already tonight in you or in your partner or in your adult child or your sibling, perhaps, you might want to go to beaclient.com. We should talk because these things need to change. And if you were the scapegoat, you may have always felt like you were down three rungs from other people. And it was difficult to lift yourself up because you were always being pushed down. Right? No matter what you did, it wasn't good enough. And maybe then, as happens in these families, if there were several children, the other children were taught to put you down. That was your role, your designated role in the family. And so in order to get the attention or the validation from the parents, they would also have put you down. That's a very difficult place, but you can come back from it once you really understand what happened to you and make some changes so that your adult relationships do not happen like that. You don't want those to be continuing. Now, I'm thinking about families generally that have three or four children, maybe even more, um, but these roles will be assigned at different times to different people. Some of them will be stable and all the time. Some of them will be fleeting and passing through, but they will happen. And you will identify that all of these things actually happened in your family in some way. Now, we often talk about the middle child in any family of three children or the middle child in a family of five children. Uh, whatever the middle child is, they tend to get lost. Well, in narcissistic families, we do have that as well, that we have the lost child kind of syndrome. That's the child who's almost invisible. Nobody seems to see them. They don't know where they are. They don't know what they're doing. They don't seem to care where they are and what they're doing. The child is just kind of unattached. It doesn't have a place. It's like, Oh, were they home? Weren't they home? Did they do it? Didn't they do it? Um, that child is just lost. No tether, no attachment, no se secure place in the family. And if that happens to you, then you don't know how to build a good relationship. You don't know the pieces that go into validating and valuing each other and yourself. You, you don't know what the rules are. You don't know how to create them. You may not have been instilled in you any particular value structure, and you may create that on your own. But if you were a lost child in one of these families, you just were 
kind of erased, kind of invisible. And then you will not feel that you should be seen, that you should be heard, that you should be acknowledged, appreciated, and accepted. You, you might not even think that's your birthright, and it is. So you could get into a relationship where somebody just dismisses you, discounts you, doesn't seem to take you into consideration in any way at any time, and it would feel natural to you. It would feel familiar to you, and it's unhealthy. So you may need to recognize that you had this lost child syndrome and that you don't have any boundaries. You don't have any expectations. Everything seems kind of airy and whatever-ish in your life. And yet you feel, you feel like you're really missing something. Something was not put into you that needed to be. And you may feel that very deeply. So that's what happens if you happen to be the lost child. Now, close to the scapegoat but different is your role that assigned may be the black sheep. And often you kind of grow into that and then you turn it on full blast. So here's where the distinction is. Remember that the scapegoat was the person who was made to bear the blame for others or to suffer in their place. But how that differs with a black sheep, and again from Webster's Dictionary, is a black sheep is a person who causes shame or embarrassment because they deviate from the accepted standards of the family. So the black sheep might be really rebelling, may go and do something for attention, may act out, may dress inappropriately, may refuse to wear shoes. Um, they do things that set them aside from the rest, and they they act out, basically. I mean, acting out is not always bad. They act out and say, this is me. I am not part of that group over there. This is me. I'm different. I'm individuating. And they do it exceedingly well and to an extreme sometimes. And you'll find that often if someone cannot handle this, if they're very emotionally fragile, they may also turn to an eating disorder or alcohol or drug use or not coming home at night or do some petty crime or some not so petty crime. They will do something that deviates from what the parents really want. Let me show you how far I can go from what you really want. And that black sheep rule makes it so that you're the one most likely to tell on the family. You're the one who's going to speak up and say the truth. You're the one who's going to say that the emperor has no clothes. And that's a big no-no in a narcissistic family, right? You don't blow the cover of the narcissist. You don't say that, you know, I have this parent who rules the roost with an iron an iron fist, who is immovable, intractable, unfair, and unjust. And that's the way my family rolls. And if you really knew him or her the way I do from being in that family, you'd know that. And then, of course, they ostracize you. And they make you wrong, wrong, wrong. So then you might get into relationships that are a little shady, a little difficult, a little dysfunctional, a little impossible, maybe exciting, but maybe you do it just to show the parents. Maybe you, you know, 
get an, an entire body tattoo just to show the parents. You know, it's that um, wanting to be different. That's to go against the norm. It's to show you I'm an individual. And so the black sheep will do that. And as I said, if they don't fall into bad habits with alcohol or drugs or crime, they may just fall into the habit of telling the truth about the family and therefore constantly being excluded from the family. So that's another rule. Now, are any of these sounding familiar? Maybe you did it a little bit. Maybe you err on that side. Maybe you went all in. You know, no matter what it is, little pieces of it or a whole lifestyle of these things, it's really good to understand what they are so that you can see how they fit for you, if they fit for you, and to see how the impact would be on your relationship. Because if your whole life is about being the black sheep, I'm going to show them and be as different as from them as I can and, if possible, embarrass them. You're going to attract a relationship that is exactly what they don't want you to have, exactly what they don't like. And by now, you might be a little bit tired of that role. And you may want to give that role up because it's really hard to stay in that. And you might need some help to do that. So the black sheep is another role. And then we move on and look at the flying monkey. Now, it's interesting that so many of these have something to do with animals, but the flying monkey is the person who always says yes to the narcissistic hijackal parent. Like they're loyal to that narcissistic parent. Even if they would understand that the narcissistic parent is not doing things well, they will still be loyal to that parent. They will be the one who gets in the corner and says, yes, the other ones are all wrong. Oh, yes, I agree with you, mom or dad. You know, we're on the same side. We're cool. And then they would stay loyal to that parent, even though that parent won't stay loyal to them. You know, uh, on Facebook, I have a page that you can go to. You'll find it at facebook.com slash hijackles. And I put a lot of memes and graphics up there to really illustrate some of the things that I talk about. Also, it gives you a good supply of graphics to share in groups you belong to and uh, share the concepts with them. Or when people are talking about enabling, you can find a graphic to use. So go to facebook.com slash hijackles and you'll find them there. So back to the flying monkey. These are the people who retain that loyalty to the hijackal in order to be looked on with favor. They're really hoping that the hijackal will like them because they're loyal to them. Now, you know about hijackals. They're not loyal to anybody, but they'll appear to be in order to get what they want for a little while, and then they'll dismiss you. And so you're scrambling all the time if you're a flying monkey to stay in their good grace, to stay in their favor. And so you see that in a family where where the one one child is always saying, one adult child is always saying, well, you just don't give mom or dad a chance. And the other child is saying, don't you remember how awful it was? Well, you just don't give them a chance, you know, because they're always staying on the side of the hijackal in order to butter them up, in order to not be in their poor graces, to not have a problem. 
And so the flying monkeys are just there going, yay, 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 to the narcissist. Very, very difficult because you grew up in the same house, but the flying monkeys, they're not going to see what happened. And they, if they did see, they're not going to say what happened. And if they did see and they were going to say what happened, they wouldn't say anything bad. So there's no point trying to have a conversation with a flying monkey sibling if you are the person who perhaps was the scapegoat because they're not going to see it. They're going to say, mom and dad was right. You were useless. You were, you were not worth the, the um, air you breathed. They're going to agree with that. And so in that agreement, they are hoping to be approved of and validated. And as I said, it's a sometimes game. Sometimes you will be, sometimes you won't be. And that's the way it runs for the flying monkey. But out in the world, they will say that their parents are wonderful. They will say that they had an idyllic childhood. And if you find yourself doing that, and yet there's a part of you that says, as an adult, that says, you know, it wasn't so great. I think, you know, a lot of the things that happened were not so great. They were dysfunctional. And as you begin to wake up to that, then you can begin to balance out what actually happened. And that would be very, very important for you to do. So now let's look at the next one, which is the surrogate parent. Narcissists don't like to be parents. Hijackals don't like to be parents because it takes up time. It takes energy. It takes focus on somebody else. And they don't like that. So often the eldest child or the spouse or usually a daughter will become the surrogate parent and be expected to be the surrogate parent, particularly the eldest child, particularly, particularly the eldest daughter will be expected to take on the role of parent so that the narcissistic parent, the hijackal parent can abscond from that role. And then they could complain about the surrogate parent child not doing a good enough job. So you're expected to do all this and you're undercut for doing it. It's a no-win situation, but you've been made to feel like you're responsible for your siblings. And that's a very sad reality because none of it is actually true. It is the role that was forced upon you to fulfill. And that is a very difficult role because it wasn't yours. You didn't choose to have those children. It's not your job to take care of them. It's not your job to raise them. You know, when I have three children and it was really important to me to be very, very careful about ever asking my eldest child to babysit the others. Yes, if I were going out for an hour or something, I had no problem with that. But extended time, I had to be very careful. I was always weighing it in my mind. I'm sure I made some some mistakes. My daughter would be happy to tell you. Um, but, you know, I paid for babysitting. I, I did what I could because I didn't want the child, any one of my children, to feel like they had to be a surrogate parent to their siblings. 
And if this is something that happens in hijackal homes, that they really don't want to be bothered with their kids. The kids are a nuisance. You know, I've said so many times that in my opinion, hijackals, narcissists, or people with narcissistic tendencies, I think they have children for three reasons. One, to have someone to agree with them. One, to have someone to uh, do their bidding. And one, to have someone to validate them by making them look good. And if you are not agreeing with them doing their bidding or making them look good, they don't have much interest in you. And you know that that's true because if you've been in one of those families, you understand that completely. So if you've been made to be the surrogate parent, let's work together and get that burden off you. Because if your, your siblings didn't turn out so well or one of them didn't turn out so well, it's not your doing. It was never your doing, nor was it your role. And we really need to release that. So remember, you can go to beaclient.com if that one really rings a bell for you. Okay, number seven. Let's look at this one. This is the mascot or the clown. And it usually is the youngest child in the family that everybody laughs at. That, you know, when they're little, you laugh at their antics, you laugh at their problems, you laugh at their moods. And the child then realizes they've got to be the puppet, the one who is the clown, the one who is playing, the one who's keeping everybody laughing. And inside, they're being really damaged because they hide their pain with humor. And they feel inadequate, but they feel like they have to keep doing this because that's their role. They're supposed to be the funny one, the cute one, the the uninformed one, the silly one, any of those things. But they're deeply wounded and they get laughed at. And that's not what they want all the time. That's not a role that they want. It's a role they were put into. And they, you think you have to amuse people all the time. You're always on. You're always performing. And that's a very heavy role to fill. That's really, really difficult. So if you were assigned that role in the family, mainly usually by being the youngest, um, you could put that down. You do not have to do that anymore. That's a very heavy role, and it doesn't feel good. doesn't feel authentic. You don't feel seen. You don't feel known because you are constantly in this performance role. And that's tough. And that's one of the things that is a damaging role that you may have been assigned to by your dysfunctional parent. And that usually comes in parents because one parent is narcissistic or hijackical. New word, hijackical. <laughs> and the other parent is enabling. So the last one is exactly that, the enabler. Because although it's usually the spouse, um, they make excuses for the narcissistic behavior. They make excuses for the whims of the narcissistic parent. They put on a happy face and say, oh, we'll get through this. It's all right. Oh, you know, it's it's not that terrible. And they're constantly putting that on. And you know my definition of enabling. It's important for us to to remember it. It's when you usually step in to fix or solve or excuse or rationalize or justify, or the big one, make the consequences go away for the poor choices of others. And if you take on that role or assign that role in the family, either way, 
If you decide to do it, you don't even realize you made a conscious decision to step in and fix and solve and rationalize. Um, but you do take it seriously to make the consequences go away for the poor choices of other people. And whether you're the child or you're the partner of a person who is an enabler, um, you will take that on. I mean, or who is a hijackal, you will take on the enabling role, perhaps. And you want to leave that one away far behind when you get into an adult relationship. You don't want to enable somebody else's poor choices, do you? You don't want to get into a role where you're always thinking, oh, the poor dear, I have to pick up after them. I have to make nice. I have to clean up their messes. Oh, they have problems, you know. You're constantly making excuses for them. No, that's not a healthy place to be, and I hope you don't want to be there. And if you find yourself there, I hope you want to leave that role way far behind, way far behind. So these are the roles that can be assigned to you and that you fall into from a very young age. And it's time to escape the family of origin roles. You don't want them in your adult relationships. You want healthy things happening in your relationship. None of these things I've spoken of tonight are healthy. None of them. You do not want to be any of these, you do not want to be the golden child. You don't want to be, well, you may want to be the golden child, but you wouldn't be here anyway. Um, you don't want to be the scapegoat anymore. You don't want to be the lost child anymore. You don't want to be the black sheep anymore. You don't want to be the flying monkey or the surrogate parent or the mascot or clown. And you definitely, 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 definitely do not want to be an enabler. And that is perhaps the most difficult one to give up. Because you think that by doing that, you are making space for someone who will appreciate you allowing them to behave badly. And it's not the loving thing to do. I firmly believe that it is not loving to allow other people to be unloving toward you. I'll say that again. I believe it is not loving to allow other people to be unloving toward you. Each one of us is 100% responsible for teaching other people how to treat us. And if we take that seriously and we step up and do it, we do the self-examination, we do the self-reflection and self-awareness. How am I teaching people to treat me? Some of these things I really don't like. I need to stop my role in that and take on a new way of being and set some boundaries. So really, really important so these roles that may have been assigned to you in the family do not have to be perpetuated, nor should they be perpetuated. And that's a big piece of the problem. So the key to stepping out of it, of these early assigned roles, is to see them. And I hope you have during this podcast episode. And then to get some help to shift internally from that role you were assigned to the role that you choose in life to the responses that you choose to have to life. And that might take a little doing because everything that was put in when you were very young is kind of your basic operating procedure. And so you may have to um, do a little 
defragging. <laughs> you may have to clean out a few places. You may have to erase some programming. You may have to uh, alter some of the programming. And you may need some new programming and all of those things so that you could come to balance and feel really good about yourself. Feel really good that you can be part of um, life in a balanced way. You don't have to be creating the favor of other humans in order to make you good enough to take up space and draw breath. You just don't. And you need to experience expand in that space to feel good. And you may need some help and encouragement to do that. So I am always here for you. You can find that at beaclient.com, $97 for the new client, one hour, a really good opportunity to talk, get some insights and um, get some validation for what's going on in your life. Also, you can find me at forrelationshiphelp.com at any time. I and mean, you know that my YouTube channel also has that same name, For Relationship Help. So youtube.com slash forrelationshiphelp. And I invite you to go over there and subscribe, become part of the community, hit the notification bell so that you'll know about these Monday topics and these episodes of Save Your Sanity. So important. So I hope this has shed some light on what's been going on in your life, what might have happened to you, what roles you might have assumed or been given. Just because somebody thought you should doesn't mean you need to continue that. I'm always here for you. I look forward to talking with you. And until we speak again, take very good care of yourself because you're precious, you matter, and I hope you will show yourself that that is the case. Talk soon. Thank you for joining me on the Save Your Sanity podcast today. I hope you've had some new insights, some ideas and strategies to help you gain clarity and confidence for moving forward toward greater emotional health and safety. You deserve that and so do your children. If you found value here and would like to support this podcast with a dollar or five each month, please do so at patreon.com slash save your sanity. Learn more about how to work with me by a video conference, join my optimized circles, or subscribe to this podcast on my YouTube channel at my website, transformingrelationship.com. Talk soon.